about the women because we wouldn't want you, if you're a visitor, wouldn't want you to think that our wives just all left us. <laughs> Although they have threatened, at least mine has, several times. And when we were first married, she threatened me on a weekly basis that I'm going home. <laughs> right, let me tell you what I did one time. One time I was at work and Becky called me and she said, I got a flat tire. I said, so change it. <laughs> and she said, no, you come over here and change. I said, I'm, not, I'm working. I'm not going to get off and work to change your tire. You can change. She said, well, I'm going to call my daddy then. <laughs> I said, I'll be right over. <laughs> and uh, so she told me then, don't you ever do that to me again. My daddy would have come right over. I don't really appreciate that. <laughs> so every woman's different. When my daughter got married, uh, her husband lived in a house with a lot of sisters. He was the only boy. And so it was normal for the girls to always do stuff. You know, if they were loading a car or something, the girls would help load. But in our family, Grace had two brothers, my daughter, so she never did any stuff. If we had to load the car, she, the boys always did it. And so Michael was stunned when he got married that she would not actually help him. And he said, all of that's going to change. You're going to start unloading and unloading luggage. Of course, I noticed the other day when they came and visited, he unloaded it all. So <laughs> he got trained like all men do. Amen. I really believe most, uh, well, I don't know, maybe one or two here and there, but all men marry up. Isn't that right? All men marry up. I don't really know many men that marry, you know, that marry down. You know, most men have a wife that's better than what they should have. But that's the Lord's goodness, isn't it? So um, I'm saying all that because most of the women are not here, and I don't really want to say that too much because Becky, you know, she'll use it against me. But I really appreciate the women who came today. Otherwise, this would have been like a men's meeting, and... It wouldn't have been as good. But the women make a big impact in this church, and I don't really know how that retreat's going because Becky doesn't really tell me anything. So she just goes, and she goes on silence. <laughs> but I'm sure it's really good. Um, so anyways, this morning I want to talk to you. I'm talking about the book of Ruth, and I want to. Here's the title of my message. The title of my message is Relational Intelligence. That sounds really high-level, high right? Relational Intelligence. And um, the reason, let me define relational intelligence. Relational intelligence is being smart about how we love, influence others, and are influenced by others. Okay? It's being smart about how we love, Influencing others and being influenced by others. It's being intelligent in how we engage our relationships. And the reason I'm talking about it, because uh, I'm talking about the book of Ruth, that's what the, one of the main uh, messages in the book of Ruth is relationships. Uh, in fact, Ruth's name means friendship or friend or friendly. So the very name of the book communicates one of the greatest revelations, you know, of the book is, you know, God's desire that we live on this earth in healthy relationships with one another, in relationships that honor Him and honor one another. Um, I think most of you know this, but just in case you are oblivious, 
you, that's one of the hardest parts of your life is going to be in the, in the arena of relationships with other people. Um, it's, it's trying, and it's one of the areas where many Christians stumble in their, in their relationship with God because they stumble in their relationship with other people. You know, in the New Testament, John talks about our love for God must ultimately re be reflected in a love for one another. In, in other words, we can't really truly honor the Lord if we're not honoring the people around us. Right? And so, I have found in my life, I've, I've had a lot of relational difficulties. I don't think I'm the only person in the room. Uh, and I've learned a lot about relationships through a lot of my difficulties and things that, that I didn't, that I wasn't doing well as a person. And it was causing conflict in the relationships and difficulties in the relationship. I mean, I was not a good husband for a long time to Becky. I mean, that, and that's one of your basic relationships. And I wasn't a good parent for a long time. And that's another basic relationship. And so learning how to, to be a good husband, be a good wife, and learning how to, you know, bless your children and honor your children, your friends, your boss, your coworkers, the people you are in community with, is really vital. Um, if we don't get this, it will cause the things that God wants to do in your life, it'll cause you to miss them. It'll cause you to lose them. It'll cause many, many of the things that God pours out, it'll cause you to, to miss the, the blessings that He has. I think uh, most people have had... Uh, situations where you were having to deal with difficult people, maybe a difficult boss, an unfair per, uh, an unfair teacher, a uh, person you were uh, doing business with that was hard nosed, and a person you was doing ministry with, and learning how to navigate those kinds of relationships is really challenging. I mean, really challenging. I think we've all faced rejection. Right? I mean, I don't think there's probably a person in this room that hadn't felt rejected by other people at one point in their life. We've all felt betrayed. There's many people who've been seriously betrayed. Okay? That's part of what happens on this world. Uh, and, and all of us have been let down by other people. Every one of us in the room, somebody's let us down somewhere along. Sometimes big, sometimes little. And so I found in, in my walk with the Lord, those things, when those things come into my life, I realize... God is trying to bring me into something greater. It's, it's, it's like always, am I going to come through this better than I went into it or worse? You know what I'm talking about? Y'all just sitting there looking at me? Y'all just, you know. I found, you know, I don't do as much, you know, one-on-one -on -one counseling as I used to do. Thank the Lord for ministries like Sozo and the Wellness Center. They take a lot of the, I'm always like, uh, y'all need to go talk to them. They'll help you. But a lot of what I have done, and I used to do a whole bunch, you know, I don't know. People have issues with their daddy. People have issues with their mama. If people have, have issues with their brothers and sisters or a school teacher, you know, I mean, that's, if you go to a counseling center, I would say probably at least half or more of the people in there are dealing with issues that some person 
who had some level of, of authority or influence in their life brought issues into their life. And, and, and it created wounds and created hurts in their life. And, and so people are stuck trying to figure out how to get over those things and how to live a healthy life beyond that. And that's, I think that's one of the beauties of the anointing of counseling is to help people walk through things to fix the hurt in them that was brought about on, by relational dysfunction. Amen? So, years ago, the Lord began to speak to me about some relationships I had. And this is what he was telling me. You've got to do something about those relationships because they're hurting you. They're limiting you. And I was saying, well, what am I going to do about it? You know, I didn't know what to do about it. Uh, and this went on for two years of my life. The Lord would speak to me on a regular basis. And I, my answer was always the same thing. Well, I don't know what to do because in my mind it was all or none. Okay? What I felt was I'm just going to have to cut myself off from these people. You know, and I just felt I just can't do that. I mean, I loved those people. I, I cared about those people. But the relationship became toxic. Okay, and I didn't want to cut myself off from somebody I really loved and cared about. And so that's why I kept going around and around with the Lord, not really getting that it's not always all or none. Okay, God has, has answers on how to deal when we get into relationships that are unhealthy and dysfunctional. He has, he has answers for that other than answers of keep kicking people to the curb. Right? I mean, not always. Some, sometimes you do have to kick a relationship to the curb. Sometimes you do have to, to cut your losses and walk away. I'm not saying you don't. But I am saying there's times in your life that you're going to find that you don't want to break communion. You don't want to break fellowship with a person just because there's some unhealthiness in the relationship. You want to be able to find out how to fix the unhealthiness without trying to fix the person. And see, that's one of the keys is lots of times we want to fix the person when the Lord's saying, no, you need to fix yourself. And that's what he was telling me. See, I wanted to, with my friends that he was t warning me about, I wanted to go straighten them out. And I really tried to. It was crazy. I could tell them stuff that was the truth, and they could never hear it. It was like it'd go right over their heads. And it was, you know, facts, factual truths. But they couldn't hear it because that what God wasn't speaking to them. He was speaking to me. He was saying, you need to do something. He wasn't telling them. He would deal with them in their course of time. So I wanted to read a couple, a few verses out of Ruth just to kind of just set this up. Are y'all good? Yeah. This is back uh, when they first came into Bethlehem. Remember Ruth, and you know, just in case, Ruth, there was Ruth and Orpah, and Ruth was sending them away. Because their husbands had died, her husband had died, and she was sent away. And Orpah left and went back to Moab, but Ruth said, No, I'm not going to go. I'm going to be your daughter. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where your God will be my God. In other words, Ruth was a Moabite woman with a Hebrew name. We don't really know how she got that Hebrew name, but she does have, that was a Hebrew name, uh, Ruth. Orpah was a Moabite name. Uh, that's interesting, isn't it? How God, these little details that God covers. Anyways, so Ruth made this commitment to Naomi to be 
her daughter and be with her even though Naomi had nothing to give her. In other words, Ruth loved this person and, and, and was committed and devoted to this person. Okay, so they get back in verse 19. It says, The two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to the Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. Mara means bitter. In other words, don't, Naomi means pleasant. In other words, she was saying, I mean, she was confessing the state of her heart. She was confessing and, and blaming God. I think I mentioned in one of the messages is that's a sign of bitterness is when we begin to blame God or your husband, your wife, your kids, whoever, for your state in life. You begin to blame everybody else instead of taking responsibility for what's happened to you. Okay, so she was blaming God for something God didn't do, something her and her husband did, and they got the bad results. Okay. Uh, I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? If we were there today, we'd say, well, the Lord didn't do that. You did it. All you need to do is take responsibility, and the Lord will help you. Okay, so that was the, the state of Naomi's heart. So what's going to happen many times in your life is you're going to have relationships with people. These people are going to be doing well, okay? They may be real passionate about the Lord, but they may go through something in their life. Everybody gets to go through stuff. And a lot of people go through terrible things. Christians go through terrible things for whatever reason, okay? And a lot of Christians don't come out of those things very well. Okay? You know that old saying, you can, either you can be better or bitter. A lot of Christians go through hellish circumstances. And they come out, they come out bitter. They come out difficult. And that darling person that you loved and adored, you can't hardly stand to be around them all of a sudden. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Or it may not just be bitterness. They may be so hurt and wounded and confused about what has happened in their life that they're, they're, they've changed. They're suddenly not the same person anyway. They're struggling with life. And so we're going to have that in our life. Sometimes your spouse is going to go through stuff and, you, and she's just going to be in a mess. Now that's where we, we have to really make some decisions about are we going to kick this person to the curb because all of a sudden they have gone down the tubes are we going to figure out how to get through this with them? I know, don't, don't tell Becky, like, Corey was smart. You know, don't tell, don't tell. I, not long ago, Becky went through something. And what she went through was all the heartache that we went through as a church suddenly caught up with her one day. And she was trying to get the answer to why things happen, you know, it's, it's what we all do. We want to know, why, Lord, what, why did this happen? Where, where were you? Where were you? And why didn't you answer our prayers? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, everybody's had that. Well, she went through this, and it wasn't like she had become bitter, but she had questions in her heart that she did not have answers to. Well, I was brilliant. I had the answers. So she would start talking to me, and I would say, well, here's what, here's what the Bible says, Becky. And I would give her scriptures, and I would say, this is just what you need to do. You need to stop that whining and questioning God and just accept it. 
and get, you know, get on with your life. Well, it would just wound a fire out of her when I would say that to her. And she would get really offended at me. And we'd get in an argument. And she'd always say these same things. Is you, listen, I am not, you are, don't be my pastor. Be my husband. Don't preach to me. Don't be my counselor. I'm not, I'm just trying to get, I'm just saying what's in my heart. I just want somebody to listen to me. I'm not looking for your answers. You know? And well, that, you know, okay, you know, I'm sorry, you know, blah, blah. Two days later, we go through the same scenario. <laughs> you know? It's this cycle we were going through. Because, you know, sort of, sort of the man's nature. Let me just throw this in. If you're a man, when your wife brings up a problem, really she's not necessarily looking for a solution. Okay? They're just wanting to talk. They just want somebody to hear, I've got this problem in my life. Well, you're a man, and you're sitting there, and you are just getting intense about it. Like, ugh, I've got an answer, just so you'll shut up. <laughs> but they don't want to hear the answers. There's a video out. What's yeah, it? You should show yeah, it. Nail in the Head. It's, it's a beautiful, y'all, all men and women should look at Nail. It's Nail in the Head. Is that the name of it? It's a YouTube video. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, we'll sh- maybe we'll show it at the end. And, uh, but that really kind of gives a picture of man-woman relationship. And I don't care how good of a husband or, w- or wife you is, that's, that's the thing that always seems to stumble me in my relationship with Becky is she'll start telling me something. I don't want to hear it. I, I want to give an answer, a solution. She doesn't want an answer or a solution. She just wants somebody to hear her heart. Men are opposite. Men start talking like, yeah, okay, we can fix this. this is what we do. I'd be cool, great. We're happy, moving on. You know, we don't want to meddle around and talk about these feelings and all this stuff. You know? <laughs> so, I didn't mean to really get off on all that, actually. <laughs> Anyways, what, let me just say this. What we have to do is we have to figure out in life how to have relationships with people when, when they're doing awesome and when they're not doing awesome. We have to figure out how to deal with a boss who's a jerk because you need a job. And because he's being a jerk doesn't mean you should quit. It may mean God said, you know, I put that man in your life. I knew he was a jerk. But that man, if you can learn under that man, you will be great. You know, let me tell you this other story. This is back from my engineer days. I, was, I went to the work of this company, and there was like three like chief engineers. It was a big, big company. And two of them are really nice, easygoing guys. And wouldn't you know what? I got the one mean one. And this guy, he was not pleasable. He was unpleasable. Nothing I did was right. And... I just like I it was I was sort of coming unglued because I had never been treated like that in my entire life by a boss or anybody for that matter. And so I was I stayed offended at him for a long time and then the Lord started speaking to me about him and saying, Well, I put him there. I put you under him because that man is going to drink bring something out in you that you couldn't that wouldn't be brought out in any other way if you'll let him. So I just sort of like Cheek to the smiter kind of thing, you know. And it's, okay. And I got where 
that guy couldn't find any, any issue with my work. He would make up stuff, literally. Just so, well, you know, I don't like that word. Don't like that word? Come on, dude, we're engineers. We don't care about words. <laughs> we care about results. But you're going to pick on me about because he always wanted to be right. But in the end, this is what happened. In the end, he got a promotion, and he said, I want to recommend the best engineer that I have, and Byron, it's you. And it's you because you were willing to submit yourself and learn, and you have learned well. And you see, I, did, I was despising the guy. I was chafing against the guy. I was, you know, in my heart I had all these issues for him. But you see, God used that person in my life to teach me to bring out, really to bring out excellence in me. Where my friends, they were getting a buy, buy with, you know, slack stuff here, slack stuff there. But this guy called out excellence. He saw it. He saw something, and he started calling it out. Now, I don't want another boss like that. I'll be honest with you. you know, no, sir, it was a rough, rough season in my life. I mean, every day at work was intense, but it was, it was good, and I was thankful for it. And I got that promotion, by the way, because of him. If, I, if he, and which was a lot of money, you know, and, you know, a lot of perks came with that promotion. Anyways, are y'all good? Anyway, so... So here's Ruth stuck with this woman that she's known for a long time, and probably for a long time in the relationship, Naomi was truly a pleasant person, a beautiful person, a great mother-in-law. Suddenly, mother-in-law now is bitter. And if you're around bitter people, bitter people become like porcupines. You know what I'm talking about? You don't want to be around them. You get near them and they're... You know, it's like, uh. No, sir. I know people right now that are bitter. That I, when I see them coming, it's like, okay... Let me make sure I don't get too close here because I'm going to get stuck. They're going to stick me. I don't like getting stuck. So I'm watching out for these, these bitter, bitterness people because I don't want to get stuck. So, so here's Ruth stuck here with her. But Ruth's, Ruth's committed to this person. She loves this person. Okay? She loves her. And I can imagine Ruth sitting there in the house with her thinking, you know, i got to do something. In fact, I can imagine Ruth saying, you know what? I've got to get out of this house. I'm going to go find something to do outside the house just to get away from the porcupine. <laughs> Sometimes we think it's spiritual the reason she got up and that God moved on her. It may have just been, I've got to get away from this person because they're killing me. <laughs> so she, it says in one, Ruth 2, 1 through 2, it says, there was a relative of Naomi Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, uh, Please, Ruth, let me go to the field so I can get away from you because <laughs> you're driving me nuts. And I don't really want to be around you like this. I mean, that's not in the Bible, but it's in our heads, right? <laughs> can I just get away from that woman, Lord, please? And glean... Heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So here she goes. She goes out, and we'll pick up a little bit in a minute. She goes out to glean in the fields. She had a confession of faith that she was going to find a place of favor instead of 
sitting around in this house of disfavor, in this house that had a dark cloud on it. Okay? That's, that's what she was saying. I've I got to get out from under this dark cloud that's around you, Naomi. I've got to go find. There's, if I'm here in the land of Israel, if I'm here in the promised land, in the, in the place of God, the God of Abraham in Bethlehem, something's, there's something wrong with this house. I've got to get into this place of favor that I've heard that the promised land was all about Amen. instead of staying in this place, place of misery. Now, I really want to encourage people you know, you could be in a place of misery this morning in your life. God wants to get you out of that place. One of the ways that God got Naomi out of the place was Ruth. Is God wanted to use Ruth to get Naomi. Let me tell you how Becky got out of, out of that place. There was a woman preacher started that we, she started talking to her. And this is the thing that really drove me crazy after I said all these things to Becky for weeks on end. We sat down one day at lunch with this woman preacher who was a really powerful preacher and had a great anointing in our life, really an awesome spiritual mother. She starts talking to Becky, and guess what she starts telling her? It's like she copied my notes. And Becky's sitting over there eating it up. Everything she's saying to Becky's like, that's the greatest revelation I've ever heard. I've never heard that before. And I'm sitting there. Well, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm feeling a little rejected. I mean, seriously. I was feeling like, Lord, what in the world? I've been telling Becky this. She didn't hear one word of it. Not one. And now she's falling all over this woman, talking about how awesome this woman is and how this woman has led her out of this place of questioning God and got her back to thinking right and believing right. And that woman ain't told her nothing. She used the exact same scriptures I used. <laughs> now something is wrong with me all of a sudden. <laughs> Isn't that how we are? I, there's something wrong with me, Lord. I can't, I can't even help my wife. How am I going to help anybody else? You know how the devil talks to you? Yeah, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> That's the devil. There's something wrong with you. You can't help your own kids. Your wife won't hear a word. You think you're a pastor. Anybody's going to listen to you? I was getting all messed up. I'm serious. I was getting all messed up in my heart. Does anybody know? Can anybody relate to this at all? I was thinking, I'm disqualified. You know, I have failed the test. In fact, those people who told me that all the bad things happened to us because something I did, I think they were right. They were right. God is mad at me. And I have proof that he is because Becky couldn't hear nothing I said. Even though I told her right, I've lost the anointing. That's what I was thinking. Well, you know, the devil was having that. That was the devil. He was just feeding me this line of stuff that you don't eat. It's called the knowledge of good and evil. And it always results in death. And so I was just eating that tree, just eating it up. Because God was saying, Byron, you know what? You know what? This is the truth. Son, let's just do something with the ego. Let's just do something with it. Just, will you just let go and quit being so ego? It doesn't matter. Does it really matter if it comes from you? Or if it comes... From Timbuktu, does it matter? Can't you just let it go? That's what he was telling me. I thought, well, I guess I better, I guess, if you're telling me. Because, you know, your ego 
is not a healthy thing. And egos destroy relationships. Because not only I found I was getting insecure and resent, I became resentful towards Becky. I started resenting her over it. And you see, it was creating a relation, relational breakdown. It takes humility to have a relationship with a person. It takes a lot of humility. If you're going to have a relationship with a person, you're going to have to humble yourself at times. Even when you believe in your heart of hearts that you're right, if you're going to fight for your rights, you're going to lose. You really are. I wanted to read this scripture here because the great thing about Ruth and Naomi is Ruth, even though she was totally committed to Naomi and loved Naomi and would have done anything for Naomi, there's one thing that she wouldn't do. She wouldn't let Naomi's bitterness defile her heart. Now, see, that's the key. See, for Joe Blow, this bitter that I barely know, maybe he's a, an associate or a person from afar, I can guard myself pretty easy from his bitterness. Right? But for the woman you sleep with or the man you sleep with or the kids that you live under your house and you're feeding them or you're, you know, the boss that you've got to sit under every day, it's a different story. Dealing with their bitterness, dealing with their resentment, dealing with their hatred or whatever it is that's spewing out of them. You see what I'm saying? And see, we have to learn how to do that because there's some people the Lord is saying, listen, I put that person in your life. I didn't put that person in your life for their messed up stuff to get into you. I put them in your life because you can help them get out of their messed up state. But you can't help nobody if you take on their burden, their offense, their bitterness, their anger, their, you know, whatever it is. You're not going to help them. Are y'all following this? Well, this Proverbs 22, 24 through 25 says, Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, do not go. Listen to this. Least you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. And you can take that word angry or furious and you can stick any kind of toxic emotion, plug it in there. And see, that's a, that's a warning from the Lord about being careful about... It has been proven by psychologists, medical science, that emotions are as contagious as the common cold. In other words, you can get up in the morning and be happy. Happy as the day is long. Joy in the Lord, worship in the Lord. Go to work around people who are negative and you're sitting around at night and the time you get home you're mad and you're yelling and you're fussing and you, don't, you can't really even tell. I just had a hard day. No, what you did is you caught their negative emotions and you let them get into your hearts and you let those emotions begin to affect you. And so that's what, you know, medical science proves it, but God said it way back in the day. That's why he's saying don't do it because it can affect you. It can get into your heart. It can pollute who you are. You can become angry yourself when you're really not angry. You see what I'm saying? Because those emotions, those toxic emotions have gotten into you. They've gotten on you. And see, that's what Ruth didn't do. Ruth didn't allow Naomi's bitterness because uh, I tell you what, a bitter person has no faith. They have no faith. They're like, oh, I'm going to get up and God's going to give favor. That ain't, they don't come out of a bitter person's mouth. 
It's like, woe is me. This is just another bad day. Right? It's just another bad day. So, y'all all right? Now, I do want to say this about Naomi. I want to, I'm glad I put that down. Naomi was a good person. She just became a bad, came, came into a bad place in her life. So, you know, if you have bitterness or whatever, unforgiveness, any of that kind of stuff, negative, negative sarcasm, just criticism, gossiping, you could be an awesome person, but you might be in a bad place in your life and you begin to do that stuff. And what you'll find, wise people will be careful about you. Um, let me tell you about this dream I had recently. It's, uh, y'all know, everybody know what Roundup is? You know, it's the stuff you spray on weeds. It's, de- it's deadly. That stuff is dead. I think they, Roundup came from Agent Orange they sprayed over, right? Isn't that where Roundup came from? It's Agent Orange they sprayed in Vietnam and all the stuff died. And now all these soldiers that are old men now are sick. Well, Roundup's nasty. So in this dream, I had this Roundup, this thing. You know those things you pump up and you spray? I walked into the, in this dream, I walked into this house. I had this thing. And what I was going to do is I was going to put water in. I had poured some Roundup in it, and I was going to mix, you know, mix it. And I started opening it, and when I did, the, the, the tank was, had pressure on it. And I heard, shh, and it was, this vapor came out, okay, and sort of, but it wasn't just vapor. The vapor created puddles of, of Roundup on the floor. And everywhere I went with this thing, I went from there to the sink, to put water in it, I noticed this puddle of Roundup on the floor. These were hardwood floors, sort of like in my house. And so I was like, oh, my goodness, there's Roundup in the house. I've got to get it. So I went and grabbed towels. I called Becky. We've got to get this stuff up. And we scrubbed it all up and wiped it all up. And then the babies came in, little babies. You know what little babies do? They crawl around with their little hands and their little leg, exposed legs, and they were crawling on the floor right where that roundup had been. And I was like, oh no, the babies are being poisoned. And then I woke up. And the Lord said to me, he said, said this to me, he said, that's bitterness. You need to warn people about bitterness because it's the innocent who really suffer. It's the innocent who really suffer. It's the little babies who haven't done anything. And so when we have any kind of bitterness or unforgiveness, anything like that in us, it is going to come out of you. It may, you may think it's just coming out of vapor stuff you say, but it's creating puddles in these innocent people that don't deserve the poison that has in it. It's going to get on. That's why the Bible says about, you know, about bitterness defiles many. That's what that, that was showing me. Sin. Same thing with sin. If you have sin hidden in your heart, in other words, you're practicing sin. I'm not talking about you just, oh, I've messed up today, Lord, I'm sorry but you're practicing sin and you're hiding it. It's going to hurt the innocent ones around you. It's going to hurt the babies. It's going to hurt the, the children. It's going to hurt. And see, that's why you know, the Lord wants us to really deal with these things and not allow our hearts to be defiled with toxic emotions, poison that's been poured into us. That's why forgiveness is such a major thing in the Scripture. 
Because unforgiveness will destroy you and it will destroy people around you. And letting go of things when they... Letting, just letting go of stuff. Like, let it, just let it go. Anyways, here's one of the things the Lord told me. Because I, I was asking, well, what do you do, Lord? What's, what's some answers? One is this. Do not... It's Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, if you are in a relationship and you believe that relationship is from the Lord, don't, the way you're going to help that relationship is not hammering those people into the ground. You can line them up and tell them all they've done wrong. It's not going to help them. You've got to find the heart of the Lord the mind of Christ on how to speak to their heart, how to reach their heart, or at least be able to direct them to someone that can reach their heart instead of banging on them and beating on them and, and, and getting into sin yourself by judging them and cursing them. Are y'all good? I mean, that's really, really thing. The second thing you got to do is you got to be like Ruth because Ruth refused to wallow in this. And so I have watched, let me just tell you, I have watched wives and husbands wallow in their spouse's messed up stuff and actually enabled them to stay, enabled them to stay bitter, enabled them to not forgive. Well, they, this is what happened to them, defending and justifying sinful behavior. And so we can't do that. We can't enable somebody to stay in a state of bitterness. Doesn't mean you cut their heads off, but you don't. You'd be like Ruth. Ruth was like, "I'm not going to hang here. I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to go and I'm going to find favor. I'm going to go and start changing the situation. I'm going to go and bring, start bringing redemption into this family and bring some healing to Naomi. And that's that's how God wants us to be. Instead of instead of the two extremes, enabling or just you know cutting them to pieces. Don't do either one of those. Let me read this, Ecclesiastes 4. Are y'all good? Yeah. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. This is a great scripture. It says, and, and you know what? In my Bible, it, the heading over this is the value of a friend. The value of a friend. Everybody needs a friend. Everybody needs a friend. Okay? You're not supposed to be friends with everybody, but there are people that you need to be friends with. And you don't need to reject them. You don't need to put them off. You need to be their friend and find a way to be their friend. That's what Ruth was. She was a friend to Naomi. And she was a true friend because she brought Naomi into to healing and wholeness. In fact, you know what it says at the end of the book of Ruth? The, the women around Naomi. You know what they said to Naomi? They said, Ruth was better than seven sons. She's better than seven sons could have been to you. That's how awesome Ruth was in Naomi's life. Better than seven. That's redemption. That's revelation. That's, that's the heart of the Father. It says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. You know, if you've got to cut the grass, get somebody to help you. <laughs> and I've got to go take a break while you finish. <laughs> I had this plan. I'll tell you this. this is, I had this plan about grass cutting because grass cutting is the last thing on earth I want to spend my time doing. So I had these three kids. Okay, and I thought, well, this is what I'm going to do. My oldest, he's going to start cutting grass at 12 years old. And by the time he's done, I'll get Grace somehow out there and make her cut the grass. And the time she's done, I'll have Phillips. I won't have to cut grass for 10 years. 
<laughs> I really believed that plan was going to work. Aaron ran the lawnmower. He was a bridal. He ran it into the deck and tore it up. Said, what did you do? I wasn't looking. Now, you ain't cutting grass no more. <laughs> Philip, well, he, Philip, I could never get grace to him. Becky, like, no, she's not cutting it. She's a girl. You cut it. That was, you know, she was protected because she was the girl in the house. Philip, it wasn't why he cut it, but he would leave wide swaths of grass. Like, Philip, how'd you miss that? I didn't miss that. I went over that, Dad. I tell you, I did. I don't know what happened. He would always say that. He would never have a good answer. You know, after two or three times, like, I mean, I had to go back behind him. So I just thought, you know, there was no value. There was no value in them cutting the grass. There was no reward for that labor. It says in verse 10, if they fall, one will lift up his companion. You see, that's what Ruth did to Naomi. Naomi had fallen in life. She was down. She was out. And Ruth, instead of like, you don't deserve this. I'm here. Forget you. I'm going to go on my life. Find me somebody. No, she said, you know what? I'm going to help you get out of this. I'm going to get some food for us. I'm going to get some favor, and I'm going to share that favor with you. And I'm going to help you get back to your relationship with the Lord the way you're supposed to be. I'm not going to enable you, Naomi, to stay in that state. I'm not going to pet your stuff, but I'm not going to cut you off. That's important. One will lift up his skin, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. You see, God created, that's why God said it's not good for man to be alone, because he needs somebody. See, I want husbands and wives, and I want you to look at your companion, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, as you're there, to lift them up when they fall. You are not there to judge them and criticize them. You're there to help them through life and encourage them. You really are. If you'll do that, you can help them get through the moments. But the only thing you've got to do is don't let their pollution get into your heart. That's the only thing you have to do is guard your heart from where, you know, they're, they're negative, they're nasty stuff. Again, if two lie down together, that some people read this into something... <laughs> They will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? You know how they say people who are freezing to death? Y'all know how that. They, they take all their clothes off and get another person to get all their clothes off and get in there with them. Body heat. That's what people do when they're freezing to death. Y'all just look at me like that. It's true, though. Saw these people freezing up in Antarctica. That's what they talked about. That's how they stayed alive is they took all their clothes off and got them in the sleeping bag together. And it kept them alive. I mean, if it was a guy, and you're a guy, you're probably thinking, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, we're going to do it strategically. <laughs> you know? Or we're just going to die. Or we're going to die. <laughs> we could just die. It might be better, God. <laughs> it just might be better, right? <laughs> Ooh, mercy, Lord. The... Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a three-fold cord is not quickly broken. Isn't that a beautiful scripture about friendship and about being a true friend to help those who are in need? Jesus said, a house or a city divided against itself cannot stand. That's Matthew 12, 25. You know, there's a divisive spirit in the world today. You know a very bad divisive spirit that's at work, dividing homes, dividing churches, dividing businesses. I mean, it's just everywhere. And the one we can overcome this divisiveness, I believe, 
by being, you know, having that heart like Ruth, having a, a heart of friendship, a, a, a caring heart, a, a heart that sees something, sees there's redemption. There's a Boaz out there somewhere. There's a field out there. Some, I can get us out of this. I know I can get us out of this. I'm going to go do it. I'm going to, in the meantime, I'm not going to allow your messes to mess me up, though. I'm not going to allow that. I'm not going to allow your stuff to get into me. I'm not going to take on your burden. I'm not going to take on your offense. If you're mad at God, well, that's tough. That's between you and God. I'm not going to be mad at God just because you're mad at God. I'm not going to accuse God just because you accuse God. I'm going to pray for you in the meantime, but I'm not going to let that get to me. And I'm going to find a way because God has an answer for us. He has an answer for, for all this. Now, having said that, there are some times when the Lord says, No, that's over. And you have to hear that. That may not be what you want to hear even, but if he says it's over, you need to cut your losses and move on and trust that God will redeem the situation for you down the road. You see what I'm saying? I'm not Because one thing that I, I had to learn is just because you forgive somebody does not mean you have to reconcile to them. That is a lie from hell. If there's going to be reconciliation... You need to know God wants us to be reconciled. But I can forgive a person and let them go and not be reconciled to them. I can do that. You know? But if God says, no, I want you to be reconciled, I'll make a way for you to, and I'll help you, then you, you let the Lord do what He does. Amen? All right, let's stand up. I'm going to pray right quick for you, and then Mar I'm going to let Marlon. Father, thank you this morning that you love us, Lord. Yeah. The Lord, there's not a person in this room who hasn't gone through some kind of relational dysfunction in their life, Lord. And there's people that we love, that we know that are really messed up right now, Lord. And they need help. They need a friend. Lord, I pray for wisdom for those people. I pray for good answers, Lord, for them. Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit is the greatest friend there is. He's our friend who has come and revealed Christ to us, and revealed the Father to us. Lord, right now, I just ask the Holy Spirit to come on every person in this room right now. And just release you in this room right now, Holy Spirit, to rest on hearts. And I want to say, there's no condemnation. Don't let the devil take anything that was said this morning and, and use it against you. Let the, the Holy Spirit wants it to be used for you, to build you up. If you are a relation, relationship failure this morning, if you have just totally failed, there's no condemnation for you. In fact, there's nothing but grace and favor and love for you. The Lord just wants to help you and heal your heart of the broken relationships in your life. And He wants to strengthen and establish you so you can have a relationship that's healthy and whole. So, let's just take a moment. If you are a person, I just want to ask this. I would like for you to raise your hand if you're a person. You just feel like you, you, what I just said. You, you've had broken relationships. And you just, that's just the way you feel. My, I, just, I'm just, I got brokenness. My relational brokenness in your life. I want to pray for you. Just hold your hand there. I'm going to pray right now for you. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I don't want to... 
expose anybody this morning because this is such a sensitive area. Lord, you see the hands in this room of people who just have broken relationships, failure in their relationships, Lord. It could be with a person of the opposite sex. It could be with a child or grandchild. It could be with a friend, a person in business. It could be any of those things. But the Lord wants to come. And he wants to do something for you today, I believe. One of the things that Becky and I do often, especially when it comes to relationship difficulties that we're, we're trying to help people through, is we invite the Holy Spirit into that relationship. We say it out, the Holy Spirit, we invite you into this relationship. We invite you into this situation to do what only you can do. So I would like for you to just invite the Holy Spirit into that. So I invite you, Holy Spirit, into my broken relationships, my failures in relationships. I invite you to come into them, give you permission to heal, to deliver and repair. I just ask you to do that right now, Holy Spirit. And the other thing I wanted to pray for you right quick about is those who feel like you don't have that friend, you don't have that Ruth in your life right now. You you feel lonely. You feel deserted. You feel like there's nobody for you. You don't have that companion, spiritually, naturally, whatever it may be, to pick you up or you to pick them up. If you're that person, you find yourself in that state, raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you because I believe the Lord wants to give you a true friend, true friends that will care about you. Everybody in this room, you need someone that really cares about you and cares about your heart and cares about what's going on in your life. That's the Father's will. And so if you don't have that, I'm, I'm here to declare that's the perfect will of God the Father, is that He wants to give you a person or persons that will love you for who you are. Even in your lowest state, even in your ugly state, even in your messed up state, somebody who will stay with you and love you through it. Somebody who will tell you the hard truth when you need to be told that. Somebody who will correct you when you need to be corrected, but somebody who also keep their mouth shut and listen to your heart. A real friend. A Ruth. Lord, I pray for these people with their hands up that need a Ruth, need Ruths. I pray you'd bring them into their lives, Lord. I pray you'd bring true friends, Lord. True friends. Friends that have our welfare in mind and are not trying to get something, not trying to manipulate, not trying to satisfy themselves, but really care. Lord, every one of us need that, Lord. We all need someone, one person, two people, many people that love us and care about us enough to stick with us even in our worst moments. Lord, I ask you to bring those friends. Holy Spirit, you're the friend. Bring your friends to these people who are, don't have those friends today, Father. I just thank you for that, Lord. Just, just come on them and rest. Give them peace. Heal them. Heal them, Lord. Heal them. Heal them. Lord, I pray for the porcupines amongst us. That we're just so, we're just so wounded. We're just so hurt. We're just so disappointed. Lord, we just can't. It's hard for people to be around us at times. I just pray for them, Lord. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus for healing today. That you'd heal the broken heart. You would restore them, Lord. Restore their fortunes. Bring them back into a place of blessedness. If you're a person, the Bible says that the Lord 
restored Job's fortunes when he prayed for his friends, so-called friends. These weren't real friends. These were friends that beat him up. When he prayed for them and blessed them, the people who've hurt you, the people who've betrayed you, I believe if you can say to the Lord, Lord, I pray for them today, and I ask you to bless them. I ask you to help them. I ask you to bring them into everything you have for them, Lord. I believe that will open the door for you to receive, like Job received, a double portion of the favor of God. Let's just pray that. Father, we all have had some broken relationships in our life. Let's take a moment. Somebody come to your mind. Just pray that prayer, a blessing over them. Just bless them, Lord. Just help them, Lord. Lord, we forgive. Just say, I forgive them. I just forgive them, Lord. I forgive them. I let them off the hook. Now bless them, Lord. Help them, Lord. They need help. They need a friend, Lord. I just release that out of my life today, Lord. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, if we can have the uh, ministry team come up here. You know what I mean? So if you need Father prayer, you want somebody to agree with you, you need that point of contact, you know, you can come and uh, one of these lovely people up here will pray for you. You know, and one thing I want to encourage is something that the Lord has, has done with me is, uh, you know, in Hebrews it says, you know, you can approach the throne of uh, the Lord, right, and receive grace and mercy in your time of need. You know, that mercy really is God's anointing. That grace is God's power to really live. You know what I mean? For your day, you can have the grace of God go with you and live in you. That all that offense the barons talk about when you're around people, that, that does not get in you. You know what I mean? It doesn't even get on you. And you'll be surprised when you go to the Father and say, Father, I'm asking for your grace this morning for the rest of the day. And you say, I receive it. And you'll be surprised what you come across. And when you come across people and what, how they react towards you and how you actually... You know, I'm surprised myself because I teach for a living. You know, that's something that I do. And when you're dealing with students, it's really easy to get offended. You know, because it's just about every day. You know, somebody didn't do their homework. They don't even tell you why they did not. You know what I mean? So, but, just want to encourage you. And then the second thing the Lord has been showing me, which is, which is, I've been doing this for about the last two years. Is, you know, when people speak words which have power, they lodge themselves into your soul. You know what I mean? They lodge themselves in. It's like arrows that go in you. You know, most people, you might think they might not be affecting you, but those words really do do something. And they manifest in a different way. Like you might get home because somebody says something really silly that got to you, and your kid says something, and you just snap. Or your wife says something, you just snap, and you have no idea why you actually completely did it but part of that is those words that just lodge into your soul you know so one thing the Lord showed me is you can because you have dominion if you're in Christ you have dominion you can say I take as an act of my will I dislodge every word spoken to me every offense that I've heard I dislodge it out of my soul out of the layers of my soul out of my mind I pull the arrows and I ask you, Holy Spirit, the oil of heaven, come and just touch those places and massage it yes, and bring healing. Yes, 
And I'm telling you, it's really helped me walk in a lot of forgiveness with people. And that stuff doesn't even get on me. So, amen? So I just thought I wanted to just encourage you about that. So if you need Father prayer, come on up. And uh, if not, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you.